Welcome. Hear ye, hear ye. We have called together this special session of the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. And with me tonight is my good friend and co-host, Chad Mitz. And as the chairperson of this hearing, I will gavel it to order and remind everyone that we're here because the uh, the sacred theatrical experience is on death's door. <laughs> and we must form a special committee hearing to render it alive or dead after this past weekend when the Suicide Squad attempted to um, dive bomb the box office. Um, our full podcast is up now with Chad and, mine's, uh, Chad and I's thoughts on what we thought of the movie itself. But we figured that uh, with the internet ablaze and you know film Twitter burning itself to the ground over the last 24 hours, that it would be necessary for us to get together and talk about the box office reaction to this uh, particular uh, film and what it means going forward, especially with two more major Disney properties due at the end of the month. So Chad, I yield my time to you, sir, for your opening statement. Well, this this all really came about because uh, you know we're we're in this bloody pandemic that we can't ever seem to get out of. But movie theaters still have to to run and and, and go on about their normal business, and they've been doing that for the summer, but it's been too diminishing gains uh well not diminishing gains but it's been quite different than the past and this so this weekend with suicide squad's release this seemed to be the right film to come out that everybody has to has a opinion about what it says about the box office and everything else um i guess we just do the box office stuff first and i can uh, get on my DC soapbox later, but it opened to. I keep. I'm, I'm trying to find the dang number, but twenty eight twenty eight point three was the number that I saw floated around by a box office executor and several others. Was twenty eight point three? Okay, uh, which was less than the thirty three million that Birds of Prey did in February, right before everything shut down. Twenty twenty. See, I'm looking at Exhibitor right now. Now this is from this morning, so I don't know. It could it very well could have changed but they have it at 26 uh as of this morning so like you said that's well below birds of prey which came out in february of 20 and that was seen as kind of a disappointment too but we're in a different time we're in pandemic time and well like birds of prey this is also rated r but um, it's not the first rated R movie of pandemic times, but it is like the biggest with the biggest budget because the budget for this is like 180 million. So with all that being said, it's number one at the box office this week, but it's number one with only 26 million. Um, apparently, Warner Brothers was uh, predicting over 30 million, but it, it's. Like I saw those numbers. I saw what was projected to come out with like yesterday. I didn't really think much of it um, because we're in pandemic times. But it, film Twitter was going absolutely nuts over this. And some people are, are saying, you know, death to the theater. Some people are saying uh, Warner Brothers has really screwed this up and everything in between. And my general opinion is that in the last two weeks, the Delta variant has become very prevalent in everyone's mind. Uh, along with the fact that, you know, particularly with Warner Brothers, they are releasing all their movies day and date. So to me, you add those two things together, it equals a lot of people staying home to watch it for, you know, for free if they have HBO Max. And not a lot of and a lot of people weren't going to the theater before. So they're really not going to go for the big Warner Brothers movies. So I don't I I I don't I don't see it as that big of a deal. But I'm I also have no money in the game. I mean, to me, 
if you for to me looking at studios if you're releasing anything in this climate right now you already know you're going to take a bath but you have to get some money as opposed to none that's the way i see it but i don't know what the hell they're thinking and that's part of the problem we don't know what these studios are thinking um so basically um here's where we stand a year ago at this time the only thing that cinemas had to play was tenant over and over and over again on multiple screens and it was no one was there and it was empty theaters and the problem is that once theaters opened their doors last july at least in in, in our community here last july um it costs money to run the lights it costs money to pay employees it costs money to pay rent once you're actively in business Businesses have a right to charge you rent. So it, it, there were more expenses that were incurred. And with nothing but tenant playing for months and months on end, there wasn't anything to draw people to the cinema. And so 2020 was a complete bloodbath for the box office. Uh, you know, Bad Boys for Life ended up winning the box office by virtue of having come out in January before people realized what COVID was. Sonic finished second and Bird of Prey would be third or fourth. Um, but everybody was, if you go back to January and the turn of the year, everybody was more hopeful and more optimistic. There was new, a new presidential administration coming in, in the United States. Uh, the, the vaccine was on the way. Um, the people were talking about being able to have 4th of July barbecues and picnics again, and all these things, um, and vaccine rates, uh, once it, the initial rollout got going and we, we got a bunch of our elderly population vaccinated, things looked good. And um, it was in that climate that Disney made the decision to push Black Widow one more time from May to July. And that Universal decided to stick to their date of June, mid-June for, for Fast. And people looked at those films and targeted them as bellwethers for the public's interest in movie going. Um, New York and LA opened up their theaters in in May, April and May, um, more, there were more screens to be had. And so the thought was that we were on our way back. And you get things like A Quiet Place 2, which opens up to good numbers. You get Fast, which does, you know, $70 million and people get really excited. And then right on the heels of that, you get Black Widow. Um, which does 80 million and sets the bar for what pandemic numbers should be. And you also have Disney in that moment releasing the Disney Plus numbers to do the financials to say, look, between international, domestic, and Disney Plus, we made $200 million opening weekend. And people feel like, you know, that the model is stabilized and we found a successful way. And then they've realized over the course of the summer, especially, that nothing holds, that people aren't going back two, three times to see the movie. The way that movies like Avatar and Endgame reach almost $3 billion is by people going to see them over and over and over again. Repeat viewings are at the heart of theatrical experience in the, in the theatrical business model. Um, and so, you know, gone are the days of like biblical epics where you want four hour movies. So people sit in the theater for half the day. Like, like you want movies to be 90 minutes to two hours. You want to be able to show them multiple times on multiple screens and move as many people in and out of the theater as possible in a day. Um, and with holds being somewhere, second week drops being somewhere between 70% and 50%. Um, it, 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 you went from having a window where you had 60 day, 30 days to make your money or 16 days to make your money to a model where you had three days to make whatever money you were going to make. And when these movies were made, understandably, that was an okay business model, right? Because if you, if you spend $180 million on a film, but you get a billion dollars back in box office returns, well, then it, it was worth it. And I don't think there's any question that when they made Birds of Prey and when they made made Suicide Squad, they spent that money anticipating big box office returns. 
that they probably would have gotten something similar had this been normal times. But in this climate where you can only make what you're going to make in three days, there was no way you were going to get to make that. There's no way you can turn a profit in this climate. The only way you can do it is the way that Black Widow has done it, which is slowly but surely every week staying in the top five. Um, it's what Kong did earlier in the summer, uh, earlier in the spring. Just, you know, debut to okay numbers, but then just stay in the top five, dropping 20, 30% every week and just slowly adding numbers. But I think what changed everybody's mind this week was A, that it was a high profile film that had great critical reviews, had a, a household name for a filmmaker and a bunch of household name stars, at least a couple of household name stars. And it underperformed. And not only did it underperform, if you added up the bottom four, the next four movies for the week, they didn't add up to what the first movie made in its, in its first weekend. And that's the concern. We're not seeing movies making 15, 18, $20 million every weekend. We're seeing films make, you know, $35 million opening weekend and then $16 million the second weekend. And then by the third weekend, you're looking at 6 to $7 million. And it just peters at 6 to $8 million in that range for the next four weeks. And that's what is causing the angst and the concern here, I think. It's not less, I think it's less about D.C. and D.C. properties, although that's definitely an argument that's going to be had. And I think it's more just about the shock and all of a James Gunn critically acclaimed fantastic film being obliterated with the worst opening in D.C. history. Yeah, the, the box office talk in general is not like a, a D.C. thing. Um, it like we've been we've been talking about this all summer, and it was pretty easy to see that movies don't have legs right now, and you understand why people that are really excited about stuff they can go out and see it the first weekend, and most of these things are doing day and date, so they don't have to go back, or if they're not day and date, uh, like the Quiet Place, like Quiet Place, it's it was what forty five days, so you wait six weeks. Is there. You don't have to go right back. This was this week, particularly for the number one movie, it was the perfect storm of um, being day and date on HBO Max. And I truly believe it has to do with the, the spike in the virus because just, what, a little over a month ago, well, about a month ago, Black Widow came out. Granted, it's Marvel. It's the first Marvel movie we've seen in two years but the you could tell the excitement for people actually going to the theater to see that one but also that month ago we we were like leveled off we were still trying to tell people we need to do better with the virus but it was still like you know if you're vaccinated you're okay if you're not vaccinated wear a mask you're okay follow those guidelines we'll be all right nobody was really worried about the delta variant now, the Delta variant is like all the rage, and everybody knows it's all the rage. So you can you put that with a big day and date one. People are just like, I'll stay home. They might they might take risks to do other things, but they weren't going to risk it going to the movies. And if that is the case, that is a truly concerning thing because. There are things that people want to take risks for, but what what you're offering at the movies is not one of them. And that's got to be a wake-up call for some people. So here's the thing, um, and this is what I tweeted earlier in the day, and, and you said we'd talk about it, and, and then I will do that here. But the thing for me is that if, if, if Disney pulls Free Guy in 10 rings off calendar to be determined, and everybody else kind of follows suit and just – gets cold feet and backs out first of all your award season's done it's going the same way that your award season went last year and the academies the board of governors is going to have to make an exemption again for streaming and do all the things that they did a year ago but also like we're right back to this symbiotic relationship in which theaters are starved to death right now theaters are on life support um the movie theater that I go to that me and you went to for many, many years together uh, is basically all management. 
There's no more than four people in the theater working at a time. The movie times are limited with school starting back. Now they're going back down to only being open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, even on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, you don't get a showing until one o'clock in the afternoon at the earliest. Um, your show times are limited. Your staff is limited. And if you take away the only attractions that they have to carnival bark about and draw people in, then they you pull the plug on them. They can't. Theaters are not in a position. There's no COVID relief coming. Okay, they're not going to pass another bill. They're not going to pass more stimulus checks. They're not going to pass more aid for the arts. And and here in Baton Rouge, we're we're you know all rolling our eyes and laughing at the fact that the penthouse club, the strip club here in Baton Rouge, ended up with more money than most of the artistic programs in the city through the program because they knew how to work it better. But um, those those save the arts programs aren't aren't happening again. And the phil the, the philanthropic endeavors that popped up last spring those have turned their attention to other places. And so there's not the bailout, so to speak, for the theaters and theater owners, and especially large chains like Cinemark and AMC, which were already financially struggling, and AMC at least on the verge of filing bankruptcy um, with accreditation problems a year ago. So if you cut off their supply of films, and they go from having a film that, that can reliably draw 50 to 60 people a screening over the course of a weekend, and you take that away from them, they have they, and they have to go back to screening Hocus Pocus in second-run movies, which they could they couldn't they could barely pay to keep the lights on with that last in the last summer in July and August. If you do that, you will kill. I don't know about Cinemark, but you will definitely kill AMC, which is one of the largest theater chains in the country. You'll flat out kill it. And and then when 2022 rolls around and things are better, hopefully, and you really do want to go back to normal and you really do want to go back to putting a major movie in theaters every single weekend, um, they're not going to be there. And the problem is that you need them to be there because you can't make off of internet sales alone, what you need to recoup the money that you've already put in to these giant ass films. You can't make a billion dollars off of Disney plus. You can't make a billion dollars off of HBO max. Like you just can't, they're not going to make a, they're not even going to make a third off of what they made on Dune. What they, what they've pumped into Dune, they won't even make a third off of if suicide squad with all its marketing materials and its funny jokes and its James Gunn, you know, bravado, if, if it can't do that, what makes you think that the unfilmable novel is going to make 50, 60, 80 million in October? So, I, I mean, to me, it's up to Disney what Disney wants to do with Free Guy and Ten Rings. But if they pull those and other people follow, follow suit, um, if theaters are done. So, well, Free Guy is this coming weekend. It might be too late to pull that one. And really, truly, that one is uh, a leftover from the previous, yeah, from Fox, um, which they can. Look at the reviews, man. Look at the critical response to Free Guy, one of the best reviewed movies of the year. Like, some people are calling it the best video game movie ever made. Like, that there's hype for that, just like there was hype for James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And if you put it out there and it bombs, it doesn't want to deal with the same reaction next weekend. Yeah, but uh, part also part of the discord of, of all this is what is particularly pertaining to Suicide Squad and what people think of it. What is the real world and what is Twitter world? Um, because a lot of stuff coming out of Suicide Squad. What the first thing that was alarming me was that it only got like a B plus cinema score, and in like in cinema score language, that's like an F because most people give cinema scores it's either like A or A plus, and that that yeah, was a it's, B+. it's a judge of if whether the best thing about cinema score is it's used if to determine if your marketing worked, if people got the movie they expected to get that, that you tried to sell them. 
Yeah, and their their marketing was all over the place. Now, what uh, I mean, I didn't think about this at the time, but uh, you know, maybe only adding the article the in front of Suicide Squad may not have been the best move because then, you know, we know everything about what went on to this, but normal people like. If I were to ask my normal gauge uh, anything about Suicide Squad, one, she probably wouldn't even know that there was a first one. Two, she, then she would have thought this one was the same one as that. And three, even though I know she loves James Gunn's Guardian, she loves, especially one, likes two. If I said, who directed Guard? Yeah, like, who directs Suicide? The Suicide Squad? No idea. If I said, do you know who directed Guardians? She would say, no idea. Because she just likes to move. She doesn't know all the other stuff. So, like, Twitter film, Twitter film world knows all these things. People really liked everything about the movie. And can we can discern all those things. Regular world, it seems like, had no clue that this was any different than the Suicide Squad they saw five years ago that they went to see and saw a lot of, but didn't like. So the, while the marketing was there, it may, to those people, it may have been just marketing the same thing. They thought they were getting the same thing they got in 2016. So are you saying, Chad, that they needed to slap on the poster? No, we don't have a giant gyrating witch. I don't know if they need to say that much, but they needed to like put a subtitle or something to distinguish between this one and the first one. I mean, it's just, you know, it's interesting. You, They gave James Gunn money to make a James Gunn film, and he made it, and he, every, a lot of people love it, but no one's seeing it, which is okay. There are plenty of movies out there. I am a firm believer and lover of uh, the, the Good Shepherd, which is the only movie that Robert De Niro has ever directed. And it was actually on while doing research for... Um, the good, the good shepherd that he ran across the book of, you know, uh, I've heard you paint houses. That's when he passed it over to Scorsese and Scorsese liked it. And that's how you get the Irishman. But I love that movie. It's got Eddie Redmayne in it. And it's Angelina Jolie. It's De Niro himself. It's Matt Damon. It's a spy movie. It's, it's tangentially based on the legacy of ashes, the history of the CIA. Um, it's, it's wonderful and amazing and a great spy thriller. No one saw it. And, you know, that's okay, because as James Gunn himself said this morning, um, you know, no, the, not everybody discovers Jaws in a movie theater. Ninety percent of people who say they love Jaws never saw it in the theater. They saw it on TV, TNT or TBS. Um, you know, we're, we're gone. At, the days of people finding unique films in movie and uh, video stores are gone. Like now you just stumble across something on H on streaming service or whatever, and you fall in love with it. So like, yeah, the theatrical experience is important, but people still find films other ways. And there have been plenty of examples of films that have bombed at the box office and then become, you know, uh, cult classics. So. Yeah. But the, the thing with these are particularly with like these kind of series. And I did see people on Twitter talking about why people so concerned about the the money of major corporations is not it's not the the corporations it's people know that with these kind of series that they they like them they want to get more and they know the only way that happens is if these movies make money so that's why a lot of people box office watch these movies and talk about it incessantly and a lot of pe- a lot of those people really like this movie and this movie is not looking like it's headed towards a place where we'll get more of this type of movie. And we might be, it might be heading to a place where we get a whole bunch of different things coming from Warner Brothers. But I'll say that for the DC part later. To the the free guy part, um, well, I just said all that about, you know, film Twitter and real, real life. In a normal world, that kind of word of mouth for free guy probably would help it. And when we've got when Free Guy came up on our radar, what radar almost what two years ago, I say that was probably the most important movie on the slate coming up because it was a a big movie 
not it, but not a stupid huge budget that is not based on existing IP. And how would that be received? We'll never really know because of the situation we're in now. But the the way it looks, I think it's too late for Disney to pull this movie. So Free Guy might just be the sacrificial lamb to see what is going on. Like, like Free Guy might be the sacrificial lamb to determine what happens with Shang-Chi. And that's that might that's probably going to be a shame, but that's probably where we are right now. But right, but then if you factor in the ScarJo of it all and the lawsuit, and you know she's spoken very highly of Kevin and what Kevin did to go to the mat for her and for that film, uh, you know this is going to be a hard a hard call because they've got this slate and they've still got two more movies coming out this this fall, like. You know they need to keep keep rolling on track, and they have the highest box office opening of any film this summer, and they're probably going to end up topping Kong versus Godzilla for overall box office for 2021 at some point. So I, it's going to be interesting to me what they do because because that's that Feige very clearly just wants theatrical, and he has backed that play, and he has backed the people who have wanted that play, and defended his producers. And his stars and think that they should get what they deserve. And Disney's just like, we gotta save our own asses. And and you know, and so that's gonna make this the first Asian-led Marvel movie that's supposed to be the biggest thing in the world in China, if China's having issues and America's having issues, you know, it, it's just it's just bad time. Yes. And so it's just a matter of what do they want to do? Do they do they want uh, any any kind of money they can get, or do they want to capitalize on it in the biggest way? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I will say, with these big uh, these big tempo movies, not not just the comic book ones, but any of the really big budgeted movies, the only way possible for them to make their money back is to not do day and date. And to push the theatrical window back as far as they can. So, if forty-five days is what you want, okay. I, looking at how things have played out, I think that might still be a little bit too soon. Uh, might just want to make it a, a clean sixty days to give some space so people might actually be. That might be a little bit too long for people to wait out, and they're like, ah, "I'll go see it now," and you might get a few repeat viewings that way it might it's not gonna be what it was before not yet but if they want to make any like if they just want to break even on these movies day and date has to go away and but the way again if we if we have to consider the virus the way the virus is going right now that's kind of irresponsible for from a like just a human standpoint to do away with day and day but you know, again, a month ago, we weren't even worried about it. A month from, from now, as unlikely as it seems, we might be back in that same boat where it's like, things are under control, so maybe we can do this again. It's so fluid, and that's, and that's another thing that's uh, damaging all of this, is that you don't know what to expect. If, if they knew t- for sure two months from now, that the virus is going to be raging and people are going to be trying to shut stuff down again. Yeah, you make easy calls. But where we're sitting right now, you don't know. And when you're playing with the kind of money they're playing with, don't know, it's not the best place to be in. So I don't envy any of them. But at the at the very least, they all have to know. Warner Brothers is the only one that's locked into it, but everybody else has to know. If you want your big franchise movies to do any kind of business they cannot be day and date and that's strictly because of the the streaming at the same time because we all know that i don't see enough people talking about the whole you know piracy aspect of it because as soon as something goes online it's done there there it is it's everywhere if you know how to pirate stuff you can get it so that's another thing that's that's going to hurt all this so those are all the things you have to consider again don't envy them for any of this. 
we are at the position now where it is about acceptable on both sides. What is acceptable risk for the audience in terms of you know going in and going out to the theater to 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 pay your money to go see a movie and acceptable income or acceptable financial uh, benefit for studios like if you if you budgeted black widow oh, I'll use a different example if you budgeted jungle cruise at 200 million dollars okay if you yeah. budgeted the jungle cruise movie at $200 million and you make back $400 million worldwide over the course of four months, is that an acceptable amount of loss that you're willing to take? Or would you rather sit on the $200 million Jungle Cruise and wait for things to get better, or would you want to take your $200 million Jungle Cruise movie and make it exclusive on Disney Plus where, you know, people pay 30 bucks a head to see. Yeah. And that's where studios are. Acceptable financial success is some money, as you said, is, is some money better than no money. And for theater goers, it's is there an acceptable level of risk for me to decide that it's worth me going out and risking my health and safety to go do this? Yep, I think that is uh, exactly what it is. Uh, and nobody knows those answers. I, so for Disney, like with Jungle Cruise, seeing the numbers as they are now, I don't. would they still do it? I don't know. I know that they get, they get to keep more of the money strictly with the, the Disney Plus stuff. But is the Disney Plus money coming in, pushing... A hundred million. I would because I would assume Black Widow has probably made that's just as pure assumption on my part, close to a hundred million in Disney Plus buys, and that's and that is strictly just for Disney. That has to that helps with offsetting what they're losing in the theater side. Is Jungle Cruise doing something similar? Probably not. So it's it's. How, you're gonna. I there, I just don't see a way that you don't that you don't take a loss if you release these movies right now, and if you're okay with that, then that is fine. And Disney can play around with it because Disney has so many coming out, and they have so many different revenue streams to get them with Disney Plus. That might be something you know they they can consider it probably more than other people. But like other studios, they don't have that luxury. I'm specifically thinking of like Sony. I don't know how many other movies Sony has coming up this year, but I know two for sure. Venom and Spider-Man. And they want all the money they can get from those two things. Venom, for as god-awful as it was, it made ungodly amounts of money to, for that throwback to 90s crappy movie. And Sony only has, what, $2 billion movies? In studio history, and one of them was the last Spider-Man. And with everything going on in the normal time, this next Spider-Man, no matter what happens, is probably would probably make a billion too. How can you how can you go in knowing you have a billion dollars sitting on the table in any other time, but you're in this time, and you still want to you still have to release the you might be forced to release the movie. I don't think that's the thing that will take so. If this keeps flaring up, studios like Sony will be like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. I'm out until it can come up. And as you said, that's going to be the worst thing because theaters need inventory. They need new inventory to do whatever business they can do right now. So it's just, this is, it's just crappy all the way around. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, because the thing is, they're barely hanging on. And, and this is, this is to no one's fault. I mean, how many concert venues do you and I know that are never coming back? Uh, the announcement today that Jazz Fest will be can't, uh, moved again to, to the spring of 2022, which would mean it'd be two full years with no Jazz Fest revenue for the Gentilly uh, neighborhood and area of New, of New Orleans, which 
largely thrives on the money and the financial revenue from Voodoo Fest and Jazz Fest to, you know, keep themselves going the rest of the year. Um, you know, it's, it's just a crappy situation, especially considering things are back to being bad again and government has said we've helped enough, we're not going to help anymore. And so you're just stuck without a safety net. Something that people aren't talking about a lot about, and we've noticed, uh, we've noticed in the professional wrestling world, the the professional wrestling world is ablaze with the conversation about releases, uh, because WWE, which is the powerhouse brand in, in professional wrestling and sports entertainment, is cutting people regularly, like every four weeks, and not just cutting like jobbers, like cutting top brand name people. And it's all in an effort to get the red out of the ledger and get back into the black. They had their most popular, uh, most profitable year to date last year. But you also have to account for the fact that while the TV money has kept coming in, there's been no ticket revenue for the majority of the last year. There's been the, the merchandise revenue has been down for the majority of the year. And so what we're going what we're seeing in the professional wrestling world is them shedding employees to try and make their books look better so that they can make more profit or at least make their losses look less damaging to their shareholders and the concern that i have is that we are looking down the barrel of a potential second major wave of unemployment when employers start shedding jobs and cutting employees to try and and tighten the budget so they can try and stay profitable. And if there's another massive wave of unemployment that comes our way, there there's no government assistance, there's no backup plan, there's no safety net, there's no nothing that there's nothing there for the struggling artist who's who's who depends on playing house shows in New Orleans during Jazz Fest to help get by. There there's no you know, there's no bailout for the movie theater at the at the broad that has to close because it has no movies to show. You know that there's no bailout for the workers who work there, mm-hmm. whether they're management or not. Like, you know, that's the concern that I have is that we're staring down the barrel of another huge unemployment um, uh, windfall, and that there's not going to be anything to to fix it this time. And when you talk about that kind of stuff, that we're we're out of the realm of just strictly movies and into the, the more political stuff, which just makes my head hurt at this point. But this is where we're at. And you and I love going to the theater. So this really sucks. But I don't, I wish I knew what everybody's going to do. But I went with three friends down New Orleans to the broad to see Green, the Green Knight. And there were my three friends and two other people in the theater. You know, it just that's not sustainable for a small theater like the Broad, which has four screens and employs six people. You know, that's just not sustainable. And when you're talking about you can get a popcorn, a large popcorn and two beers for like 16 bucks at the Broad. Hey, bay. Whereas, whereas, you know, a large popcorn by itself at ANC is $14. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, like they can't sustain that. And the only way they're sustaining it now is with things like Fast Nine and Black Widow and, you know, Old and The Green Knight and things like that. You know, it, it's the old thing. If, if you're going to carnival bark, you have to have something in the tent to attract the people. So I, I just I'm concerned about if Disney makes a move. This, this, this is what we all had the conversation when Warner's announced they were doing day and day for the entire year. Remember? Everybody was panicking that Disney would do the same thing. Disney did something different. They didn't do the exact same thing, but they did something different, and they didn't lock themselves in on any of their projects. But if Disney were to make a move with the Marvel movie and pull it off the books a month from release, uh, that that would send shockwaves and would would definitely affect Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, I was... Uh, while we've been doing this... Uh... I don't know how true this is. I just saw it come across Twitter from somebody that I don't, I don't know. So take this with a grain of salt. But uh, it seems like Sony's already moving Venom back overseas. And I think they specifically said Australia. They moved it back in like two weeks. So if, if they started there, 
I think they're going to do here last if that's the case. They're going to hold out as much as they can. But if they're going to move, it'll be within the next two weeks. Pretty much at this point, what happens to let a free guy is going to dictate what they do. Uh, and the I, same thing, and the same thing goes for for Vaughn, which has oh, been yeah. delayed multiple times. Yeah. And the UK ain't exactly in a better position than we are right now. So, you know, it, it you know, there's a movie that's been moved back multiple times that would have to move again. And then, then you run into the same problem we were in at the beginning, at the end of last year, where if you move all these movies into 2022, where do you put them all? Remember when we were all talking about 2021 being the great mulligan? Hasn't really happened that way. No, no. Uh, it looked like it, it had a chance. And then, you know, how quickly things changed. Uh, so, Chad, I yield my time on the floor to you to talk about how DC <laughs> fixes its problems. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let me go ahead and pull up my uh my little notes here. Uh all right. So we did all that great talking about the year landscape as it is, but this all came about because of the release of Suicide Squad and um and their box office from this past weekend, which was underwhelming on the fact that it is a hundred and eighty-five million dollar budget and that all week. Everybody that has seen Suicide Squad talked very highly of it. So it seemed poised to do well. Apparently, Warner Brothers was expecting it to do over 30 million. So this is a disappointment. Now, uh, we've already said how the pandemic has affected it. And to me, to me, that alone should be reason enough for people for studio people to be like, what can we do? But the whole scuttlebutt today has been that uh, this is a major blow for Warner Brothers and uh, Exhibitor, the the uh, the uh, the Twitter account that we both follow. They were like, they were basically saying they were expecting heads to roll because of this stuff. So what? Like, so that just made me get on, go down this DC rabbit hole. It's like, what is, why is this a problem? And I touched on this, I touched on some of it with what people really know uh, in with the real world and what we know in, in the Twitterverse with, we know it's a James Gunn movie. We know all the ins and outs and all that. But a lot of people didn't see that. What they saw was a DC movie of a of a film that they had already seen that wasn't good and off of that alone they decided to pass on seeing this in the theater so if that's the case it's not it's not the movie it is it is the brand of dc itself and you know, I've harped on DC for a while now. I keep saying that they don't, they don't know that they don't really know what they're doing, and they they get good movies only when they luck into good directors. But then coming out of that, they just kind of make a mess of everything. So where we stand right now, if this is true, if Warner Brothers wants heads to roll from DC for making this, what that would mean is that. I would assume it would be Walter Hamada because he's the head guy over at DC. If you want hands to roll, he's got to go. But what happens then is he's going to lose his job because of Suicide Squad. However, Walter Hamada has a slate of movies coming out over the next three, next three or so years, which includes a New Shazam movie, a Black Adam movie, another Aquaman movie, a planned Wonder Woman movie, um, there's some other ones that I just look. Oh, the goddamn Batman and the Flash. So you get rid of him, and then you have to insert somebody that's going to be taking over that slate, and then trying to institute what they want to go do down the line. Well, you know what? Time is a flat circle because that's exactly what happened with Walter Hamada. He came in after Jeff Johns and Peter Berg got fired. 
they still had a slate that he had to deal with. He had to, he dealt with that and then tried to institute what he's doing, which is what happened now. And you know what happened before that? Happened the same thing happened with Jeff Johns and Peter Berg dealing with the fallout from Batman versus Superman. I forget who they fired that time and put those two in charge. And that means they have to deal with that slate that was coming before them and make new changes going along. So what I'm saying is, is that if that is the case, we're doomed to repeat the same cycle again, where whoever the new head is, they get the old guy slate and they don't get any grace period for that. It is now their slate that they had nothing to do with, but they have to make sure it works. And then they have to institute their new direction, which inevitably, because this seems to be what the brand is, if it is not Batman, if it is not a sort of well-known character like Aquaman or Wonder Woman that has never been on screen before and given their first chance, those movies tend to, they might be critically liked, but they don't do well enough to, uh, to, to get the acclaim that Warner Brothers likes. And then we start this whole thing over again, which is how we end up with a, a loose timeline with a Batman film that's over here that's going to have its own spinoff things on HBO Max with a continuation of the Snyderverse because all those characters that originated in Justice League are from there, but they no longer are bound by that. However, they're not, they're not joined together at all, but they're all from the same world, but that world is going to be reset because you're going to do the stupid thing of making this stupid Flash movie that resets everything only for the new guy to come and be like, this is dumb, let's do something else. And then he fails and we're back in this again. So all that to say, no matter who's in charge, no matter what company buys Warner Brothers, they always seem to do the same things, which is have, a, have what is seen as a massive disappointment, change everything, and nothing ha- nothing gets resolved because we're going to do the same thing again in three years. There's a lot of problems with them, but that one is it is the it's the newest one of their list of problems. So yeah, yeah, that's what my my last thing. If they if they really think this is such a bad thing and they want to get rid of whoever's in charge what they need to do is they've already got the all of these movies i just said are in active development aquaman is being shot right now i think that's the last one let them do all of those and then stop don't don't start something new in the middle of it don't do anything else let all those come out Find you the next guy that wants to be in charge or girl or lady, whoever. Let this whole slate run out and then bring in somebody who's like, all right, this is where we're going from this point. Now, in that slate that you have coming up, yeah, there'll be things that you probably want to do sequels with and all that stuff, but everything associated with DC is seen as a mess. And it's a, it's, it's such a mess that even the lay people, when they see DC, they don't know all the ins and outs, but they know these ain't these ain't quite right. So once it starts bleeding into that, you just kind of got to cut it off. So it's either cut it off, give it a while, start brand new with everything, or you keep beating your head against the wall, doing the same stupid cycle. That's, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, Clark. Good talk. Good talk, Clark. Um, so this kind of reminds me of uh, a conversation that I was having with a friend about NXT. Um, it's very obvious that Vince doesn't care about NXT. It's not a money-making thing for him. The only thing he sees it is as, is as developmental. But apparently Triple H or Paul Levesque and, and Shawn Michaels aren't happy 
because apparently Vince is cutting a lot of guys that they really like. And apparently they're in hot water with Vince because Vince feels like they lost the war to an to AEW. Um, which, you know, neither Paul nor Sean were in on the decision to move the in AEW, uh, move NXT from the network to live television. Um, but that was, you know, a Vince call, but Vince is never going to take responsibility for that. But it, it's to me to do what you are saying and take a break following this, this uh, Aquaman movie is, would be a preferable course, but it would mean surrendering and saying that we lost the shared universe war. And like Vince, I think that the corporate heads of WB will always want to refuse to wave the white flag of surrender. So to me, the only other thing that you can do is something that I feel is very simple, which is have some freaking patience. Don't overreact to one film and chop a bunch of heads off and throw them overboard because of the reaction to the box office reception to one film. Even Zach got multiple bites at the apple before they were like, eh, eh, no, enough. You gotta let people take multiple swings, especially when they're big, artistic, different swings, like what they have been doing under Armada. Like, you gotta give people some grace and breathing room to do their own thing. Like, neither Thor movie or Captain America movie, the solo movies in, in 2011, were deemed awesome, amazing, wonderful movies. They certainly weren't billion-dollar performers. But you know what Disney, what, what Disney and Paramount and, and Marvel did? They went ahead and took the gamble and made an, uh, an Avengers movie anyway. And it paid off because they were patient and they understood that the expectations for those films were set the characters up. Make money? Great. Main thing, set the character up, let people see, let's see how people react to them and if they like them. And if they do, then we're going to have a great time in this Avenger. You got to have some patience and some understanding. Uh, our good friend T-Bob Bear uses this analogy with our LSU football um, folks all the time you know everybody wants to go to the moon but no one wants to build the rocket ship you know you gotta build the rocket ship and that takes time and that takes energy and that takes effort and then once you build the rocket ship you've got to navigate it to the moon and then once you get to the moon you have to land it and all of that takes time energy effort and planning you can't get halfway done building your boosters and then fire the project designer and bring in another guy who wants to completely redo the rocket and start the whole cycle over again. Because then you'll never get off, then the boosters will never be built and you'll never get a rocket and you'll never get off the ground, literally. So you have to have some patience, some, some understanding, and be willing to take a bump every now and then. You know, it's not like, there are so many reasons why this movie is going to take a, butt, a bath. None of them are really its fault. And James Gunn's going to go off and he's going to make a wonderful Christmas special and a wonderful Guardians 3, and he'll be just fine as a filmmaker. Um, I read a very good think piece today um, about how, you know, Kathy Yen is not going to get any credit for what she did with Birds of Prey, but she set the table for Gunn in Birds of Prey with the aesthetic and the color palette and the way the characters are portrayed. Like, she made the tonal shift. James just took it to another level but like the the brass at Warner's and the brass at whatever parent company they have have to have patience and understanding you don't start mark sanchez as a as a, a rookie quarterback and expect him to lead the team to an 11 and 0 a 16 and 0 season in the super bowl you work with him you bring in the you get him paired with the right offensive coordinator and you watch him develop you don't just say one butt fumble and you're gone. You just keep working with it. And that's what Warners and DC have to do. I'm going to ignore that last minute. I completely ignore everything about that. 
uh, and sick. I want to. You're, you're surprised I was able to work that in, weren't you? I'm. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That last minute didn't happen. I, I don't know anything. Uh, there were two points I wanted to touch on that you said. One, you said that you know they have to to do the hard reset. They'd have to acknowledge that they lost the uh, the shared universe wars. And my response to that is. They lost those a long time ago. They pretty much lost those outside, out the gate. And they acknowledged it when they went with this whole, you know, they, when they reset it the first time with uh, Jeff Johns in charge, it was like, you know, these things are their, their own things. They, they're using the characters, but they're their own thing. And then they kind of doubled down with, uh, with this whole Batman thing and the multiverse thing. They're pretty much saying, we're waving the flag on this. We we're kind of leaving it open to cheat if we want, but there is no shared universe. That's at least the way they've been saying it. I think that's a mistake, but I think a lot of things they've done are a mistake. And, but the second point is, yes, patience, I think, is probably the most prudent course, but I really do think that they've done so much damage to their brand that it's they would have to be patient for like the next in a in a perfect year in a perfect time i think they have to be patient for like the next two to three years and let every like they can still continue to make things but they have to get everything right over the next two to three years so people to stop and thinking that oh these dudes are just gonna fall over there on their face they're gonna you know they're clear the first hurdle they might clear the second, but they're going to hit that third one and bust their face open. And they just need to go, they just need to go like a couple of years through their whole race. Don't have to be fast, go real slow, as long as they get over the hurdles and people be like, oh, okay, so they can at least clear the hurdles. Now let's see them like actually be in the race. But I don't, I don't expect them to do that. Nothing about them has ever said, with the exception, with the exception of Zach, from Man of Steel to Batman vs Superman, from Batman vs Superman to Justice League, I, they that is the only time they show any sort of patience. Every other time it's been like, no, we're changing, we're doing something else, doing something else. If they would have done that after Man of Steel or after Batman vs Superman, we're not here, but. I, I don't know why that in that particular instance of like five years that they didn't do it, but we're here now. And I don't think they'll have the patience for it. If, if, if people are really saying that they're probably going to have his role, those people seem to, I seem to believe them that true, but that those are the same people that thought Kathleen Kennedy was gone after rise of Skywalker and <laughs> instead she got a contract extension. <laughs> so like, you know, the people tend to forget that she's also the producer on the Mandalorian that they love so much. Um, but like things change, atmospheres change. You never know how corporate structures are going to react to different things. But it, I think that honestly, if, if you can do the Joker and do it over here and do it the way they did it, why can't you go over here and do the suicide squad and just keep making suicide squad movies? Cause they don't have to touch on anybody else. Well, you've clearly established Waller. You've clearly established Project X. Like, you can keep making these films with different filmmakers to good critical reception. And isn't, at the end of the day, more of what they care about? Like, don't you, don't you more care about what the critical success of the piece of artwork is and less about the commercialism of the art? So, I mean, it, to me, you can do crazy off the wall things it just and you don't have to have them interconnected because the guy you hired to do with interconnected universe uh went dark and brooding and no parents and uh turned off a bunch of people but that's because they let him do it that we can't forget that because he was the only because he was their only choice they put the keys in his hand in 2012 and said go drive and by the time they figured out that he was way beyond behind marvel they couldn't take the keys out of his hands quick enough but no, but the but they could have like I I do not begrudge them 
for picking him for Man of Steel. They and they didn't pick him. Nolan picked him. They left this whole thing in Nolan's hands, and they weren't, you know, at that point, they weren't telling Nolan no. So he picks that. I have no problems with them picking him. If any other, um, I can't. They, there's not. I can't think of a good correlation in DC, but any other place. I mean, in Marvel, you see it. They picked Joe Johnson to do the first Avenger. When it came time to do Winter Soldier, he was never even a thought across their mind. They went and found somebody else to do something different. After Man of Steel came out, and if the response, the you got the response you got, and you made the money you made. And if you thought the money you made was a disappointment, again, I don't think it should have been. It made more the returns. But if that was the case, that's when you break ties in. They, it was at that point because before Man of Steel came out, it was just a Superman movie. There was no connected universe. It was after it came out that they said, here are the keys to everything. Go and enjoy. And we're not going to give you a chaperone. That was their choice. They had a choice. They could have, I don't know who else they could have got, but they could have gone elsewhere to do the things they wanted to do. They chose that route and it was, they chose that route and they wait till they're 20 miles down the road after they've passed the exit they want to pass. And then they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have gave you the keys. At that point, your next exit is like 40 miles down the road. You're, it's dark at night. And you're not going to stop on the side of the road and switch cars. You're stuck with this guy driving because there's nobody else out there. You're stuck with the guys driving you right now. And then it turns out he drove you into a wall. Well, you could have you could have stopped this a long time ago, but you waited till it was too late. Indeed, indeed they did. And you know, you saying that and going through that timeline, it, it's interesting to me what would have happened if someone else if 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 when they came Zach came to them and was like I want to put Batman in the next movie and I want to do Batman versus Superman if they wouldn't have just said you know that's a good idea but I think that that we should shop that idea around to some other people um you know that that was the key there Mm -hmm. um because it would be interesting to see if you were going to do a Batman versus Superman movie get more than one person's pitch on it um you know and and I think that was a mistake as well because it it became singularly Zach's vision, um, and then that led to the fallout, then the Justice League, and everything else that we've covered on this podcast for many many episodes. Yep. So Chad, so Chad, uh, what are your thoughts on Free Guy? You think Free Guy is just going to sit out there and left to be dangled in the wind, and then we'll reassess after next week? I think just by the nature of what it is, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, It just seems, I know there was one week where there was no like sequels that were in the top five. I don't remember what week it was. It was a week without fast. Uh, It must've been like two weeks ago. Black Widow was out, but they didn't count that as a sequel. It was a spinoff, but everything else was like original ideas. Yeah, it was like old and the Green Knight and uh, Jungle uh, Cruise must have been in there. Jungle Cruise, yeah. So that get that should if you want hope, that's it. Like, okay, there was a time when it wasn't completely existing IP, but then that's a cheat because Black Widow, even though it's not a sequel, it is existing IP. Jungle Cruise, even though it's not technically like a book or anything it's from a ride of disney what they've done before so it is existing ip free guy is going to be in that range but has nothing that came before it it is just this movie and i don't see i don't i don't agree with that because it's ready player one it's ready player one with video game and and you're getting all the in-game references and the twitch references and all the things that like make up the video game world it's it's ready player one with video games no okay so i'll give you that this is where i show my age because i've watched it and i know that it's a video game but i'm not correlating it as like an actual video game because none of the things that i play so maybe it will appeal to those people that play that kind of game and see the correlations there um 
but and the cameos and the cameos of multiple Twitch users. Okay, so may, maybe that's going to push the move the needle enough for free guy comes out and debuts at number one. And I, I'm assuming number one to be number one next week. You got to hit like 15. And if it does that, then maybe it doesn't feel like quite the sacrificial lamb, but it it might be. We will see. So that'll about do it for this week's podcast. Uh, hear ye, hear ye. I declare uh, this episode of the podcast closed. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. And at The Mets Theory. That counts as Chad seconding my motion to close. And the <laughs> meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. And have a pleasant evening.